Hello and welcome to the Lakers side chats. It's a brand new edition. Been a while, but a lot's happened in the world since. So got a returning guest. He was even on the, um, he was on the last episode that we recorded. Raj, welcome back to the show, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, Alan. Thank you. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, how's everything over there? We're all safe. That's the main thing. Um, isolation lockdowns killing me, but you know. <laughs> You gotta do, you gotta do your part. You gotta do your part for the world. Don't you? You know, it's, um, there's worse things in life you could be doing than watching Netflix and writing articles about the Lakers all day. Right, right. Yeah. We're all just, uh, staying inside. Everyone's doing the same thing. Everyone's at home, just online on Twitter or, uh, rewatching games. So I, I think what's it called? I, I think the, um, the, Engagement on Twitter's never been higher. I'm, I'm sure of that. <laughs> right, right. Um, everyone's just on Twitter every, every day, all day, 24-7. Uh, I'm not sure how great that is for our uh, mental <laughs> mental health, but this is where we're at right now. There's, everyone's just online. Oh, it's great. It really is, man. I'm enjoying it. Um, but, yeah, we... we we thought we'd do this podcast, you know, um, everyone's, you know, like we said, locked down and people are really bored <laughs> and there's not much new content to cover in the NBA. We get little trinkets here and there and, you know, like our heart goes out to everyone in the NBA community who is suffering. And most recently we found out Doris Burke was, you know, God had contracted COVID-19 and, you know, me and Raj just thought we'd do like a nice fun episode where in by, we just touch on our favorite Laker moments over the years and, you know, reminisce a little bit, go down memory lane. Um, we, we decided it would be from about 2006, 2007 onwards, just mm-hmm. because that's a timeline that we can actually talk about in great detail. Obviously, we can go to the past and talk about memories, but I feel like, and he, we both felt like that it would be better to talk about things that we vividly remember. I'm sure you agree with me, Raj. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. No, so without further ado, what's one of your favorite memories that you've had and experiences with the Lakers? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was telling you uh, before we start recording, I didn't even start watching the Lakers really till two thousand seven, two thousand eight, which is late. Actually, it was late two thousand seven, um, which is about my freshman year of high school. I was joining the basketball team and this the senior was like i want you to go home and watch kobe I was like all right and i just started watching the lakers um uh very avidly and one of my uh first moments um which i didn't really understand at the time but um everyone else kind of understood how big deal it was was like the um 2008 the pow trade um which is now like a Stephen a a meme, which is pretty much, but I feel like that kind of changed the whole course of the franchise of where it was going. Um, you had Kobe trade rumors, uh, Kobe trade requests at the beginning and um, all kinds of stuff. And then the pal trade happened and just instantly they became, um, one of the best teams in the league, arguably the, the best team in the league going, going for the next three years. Oh, definitely. And it was, it was a, um, it's a very happy moment to have because I feel like obviously the best duo, in my opinion, is playing LA was Kobe and Shaq. 
But I don't think there's been a duo to play for the Lakers that legitimately loved and enjoyed playing with each other as much as Kobe and Powell did. You know, just looking back in history and stuff, I'm sure, you know, you've seen everything as well. But those two were just, it was like they were made to play with each other. That's how it feels on my end anyway. Right. And I don't know if you feel this way. Um, uh, you can let me know, but, um, if you remember during that time, uh, cause Powell obviously played for a really bad Memphis team, right? And, uh, he had one, I think he had one or two playoff series. He got swept out both times. Um, obviously Anthony Davis is a much better player than Powell was, at least the way he was regarded, uh, around the league, but Blast it kind of felt lots for me. but it just felt kind of similar at least with the relationship between LeBron and AD um, and the relationship Kobe and Powell had where it was kind of like Powell was just like I can't believe I'm in this situation and I've never played with a caliber of player like this and he just like you could just see it it just looked so open for him and I I felt the same with AD obviously AD is more of a like a superstar impact uh, but you just kind of feel the same way, the way LeBron takes AD under his wing and, uh, you know, trying to mold him into this, uh, which I think was starting to peak, but mold him into this, like, okay, we're gearing for, like, a real run here. And uh, Kobe kind of did the same to Powell um, as those games. And it just felt very eerily um, similar, uh, at least from when I started watching the kind of interaction between the two. It reminded me of it. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. <laughs> No, I, I can definitely see the the semblances there and, you know, the, the similarities and comparisons you put forward. I think are very apt. And the only thing that's bit, a bit different is that Kobe and Power are a lot closer in age. So right. I, I feel like that made a big difference in um, the relationship they had. It was more like, you know, instantaneous, like not little brother, big brother, but just like brothers, like, you know what I mean? Like... It's, it's it's a it's a different relationship, but it's very much the same in the same realm of like relationships that LeBron and AD have. Wherein, like, by you know, you have right. the clear alpha who's done it all previously, league MVP, or in Kobe's case, about to be league MVP, should have been multiple time league MVP. But I will not digress. You know, like <laughs> how that man only won one league MVP is a joke. Um, he was consistently the best player in the NBA for like six years. How you only win one MVP during that, that period is, is beyond me, but hey ho. Um, but no, and I was about to say one of my favorite moments was when we did acquire AD, um, last mm-hmm. year. Cause it, I don't know about what you felt. I'm sure you'll touch on it, but it was finally that after seven years of bullshit that we went through. Excuse my language. <laughs> It was finally over. <laughs> right. All the pain, all the suffering was over. It might have all blown back into our faces. Mm-hmm. But at that time, we had two of the best five players in the world. Little did we know that LeBron was still LeBron at that point. We were still a bit terrified after the groin and that, that you know, LeBron wasn't going to be the same player again. But I'm right. sure you all agree when, when the AD trade happened, it was, it, it was amazing. That sleep hit different. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, that was that was a great uh, moment for me. I it was weird because I was kind of falling into like ah, uh, they have LeBron and AD, but you know we just pretty much gave up what we've been building these last few years, right? We've we watched hundreds of Brandon Ingram mid range pull ups just for 
you know, we were like, okay, he's going to grow. And, um, we grew through Lonzo ball, airballing threes and, um, not being able to dribble and <laughs> things like that. And they were finally starting to show some kind of like, you know, something that was building and the year obviously didn't go the way it was. And then we just shipped all of them off, including like a whole bunch of picks and stuff. And, um, I was, I mean, I've seen obviously Anthony Davis, but I wasn't really like, I didn't really like watch him on a daily basis. But then when you start watching the film of this guy, you were like, Oh my God. Like <laughs> this guy is built from like a laboratory of, uh, in like the same kind of gene that like not comparing him, but like to when you watch Kevin Durant and you're like, that guy was just not built normally. <laughs> so you watch Andy Davis and you kind of see the similar things and, um, yeah, that was just a, a lot of people kind of undersold it at the time. And then they were like kind of selling all the, you know, the, like all the, who's going to play, like, um, they have no other guards. And, and then when you watched, I remember that first preseason game, if you remember, they played against the Warriors. When and, they went uh, scored 20 in like 16 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, Oh my God. Like that, <laughs> this is going to be so unfair. Like, <laughs> and, uh, that, that was the moment that really it clicked for me. Obviously the summer is great, but that first game where I just saw the amount of pressure that LeBron and AD in terms of like star level put on a team, I was, I was sold. And obviously the Warriors, they turned into what they turned into, but still to just to watch those two just absolutely manhandle another basketball team was, was what really put it for me. They've done it to everyone at some point this year though. Like, <laughs> exactly. it doesn't matter if it's the best team or the worst team. They've mm-hmm. done it to everyone, especially now with that Clippers win and the Bucks win, um, right. which feels like it was six months ago, but it's only been <laughs> two weeks. Oh, right. <laughs> but like, honestly, Anthony Davis, I, I don't know if you listened to my podcast with Ricky on the Late Night Lake show. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great podcast. Um, I recommend you listen to it. Ricky's a great guy. Um, right, yeah. Really good yeah, at good what podcast. he does. Um, I, I, I put it, I think I put it really nice when I talked about AD. Um, it was that case of like, he's that player. I don't know if you did it when you were, when you, you know, 14, 15 years old. When you play 2K, you, you get bored after a while of using all them players, you know, like the LeBrons mm-hmm. and that. So you create your own player who's about 6'10, 6'11. He can dribble, uh-huh. he can pass. He can shoot and then he can block your shot out of the gym. That's AD. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's AD. Like exactly. he's that guy that you create on 2K is like the unstoppable player. And we yeah. have him and we have the opportunity to watch him every single game he plays because, you know, going into a bit into the summer slash fall slash whenever the hell free agency will fall. Um, I don't think he'll leave, especially now in the light of everything that's happened. That right. I, I absolutely don't think he'll leave. I'm sure you feel the same way about it as well. Oh yeah, for sure. And um, what's kind of crazy is people forget um, he was 26 when he came here. You know, I think he just had his birthday, right? So I think he turned 27. But I think he has a lot um, getting better to do. Like he has a lot um, of room for improvement which is scary for a guy that's already put into top, top five. five player, yeah. yeah. And, and he's definitely the best big in the league as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, obviously he still has issues, but I mean, he's on his first great team. You know what I mean? Like those New Orleans teams were, they had like these peaks, but at their peak, they were maybe a second rounder team, right? Um, this is a legit team where he has ex- expectations every single night. Um, and he's just only getting better. And people forget, I mean, LeBron won his first title at 27 years old, you know, and you could see how much better he got as, um, as he played with better teams, right? Um, and Still getting I, better as well, which is a frightening thing. Yeah, which is which is which is scary, but uh, you you can kind of see that in Anthony Davis, and there's no one better to learn from than LeBron, and having a guy like Kareem, who's you know in your ear and um, on that bench, you know, guys like Phil Handy, and just the work that they're gonna have him do, and just get even better and better. His three pointer is getting better, which is which is frightening for the league. Um, he's already, in my opinion, the best pick and roll big man um, that might have ever ex- existed. Um, and yeah, it's, it's it's crazy that he's here. And like you said, I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, but yeah. Do you think he's the best player LeBron's played with? I think he's the best fit player that LeBron's ever played with. Um I think it's still randomly seen. He has a chance to be. Um, I think that, like, I, I put Dwayne Wade in a very high regard. I think Dwayne Wade is. No, I do too. Yeah, I think he's I, sublime. He's one of, like, when I started watching basketball, he was one of the first people I was like, holy crap. How do you guard that guy? Um, Dwayne Wade didn't even have a three point shot and dominated, you know, seasons in ways that, um, you, you don't really see anymore. Uh, but, I think he has a chance to be, um, for sure. I think a couple, uh, rings under the belt kind of solidify that. Uh, I think Kyrie's the bigger, like, shot maker. Um, but I think it's between Wade and AD, as in the best player he's ever played with. And AD is definitely the better fit. Those two don't, they don't run, step on each other's toes at all. You know, no. that, that seem, that fit is seamless. Uh, they, they, they cover for each other's mistakes. Um, it's it's just a beautiful fit, uh, and it clicked right away. There's there's a reason why that happened, you know, and uh, th- those two are just a a beautiful fit together. And I hope that we get to continue to see it. No, I agree, and I think we will. And I hope we just get to see it as soon as possible. I mean, obviously, safety first, and people's right. health's the most important thing. Well, I'm, I'm being on the optimistic side and hoping that we can see it as quickly as possible from a selfish point of view as well, because I want the Lakers to get that 17th title this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, man, we, I feel like we were on our way. We were on our way. And I don't know what you think, but if anything, I feel like this break will have helped LeBron. Like, mm-hmm. obviously he's not resting. Like, he's obviously still working out really hard, and we've seen it on the Instagram videos and whatnot. But th- mm-hmm. there is a point where your body just needs rest, and every every biggest doubter to the Lakers, what were they always saying? LeBron's playing too much. AD's playing too much. They won't be able to handle it. Right. Now they don't have that. They, you don't have that argument anymore, because right. they'll have just taken a month off or more, potentially. Yeah. So... I'm personally very excited for the season to get going, only so we can watch NBA again and get life relatively back to normal. Um, God knows when that will be like, but you know, exactly. Hopefully, it will be soon. 
<laughs> yeah, ho- hopefully. Um, if it was like three weeks, it would. I'd feel great about it. You know, um, LeBron getting three weeks to just rejuvenate everything and go. But I think like a couple months is really difficult for a guy who he he plans this the season is like a huge preseason for him. You know, and he's mm-hmm. like he's like building up like this charge of like it's coming it's coming and it's like about to it's about to it's about to go once the playoffs start and now he has to reset it again which uh, i mean he's a smart guy and he knows his body better than anyone else that exists in the world but uh, i feel like that's still going to be tough for him to just you know turn that back on um hopefully there's a few like expedition exhibition games before the playoff starts so he can he can do that but yeah that's that's my biggest worry uh, on that on the on the just getting a bunch of I mean everybody's gonna be rusty right when they come back so uh, we'll see I think I think they will have some time to actually um um, to recuperate and have exhibition games again I mean it it would be stupid not to like I don't know what you think but like right I feel like that's ridiculous not to right right yeah for sure and but i mean you you never know how long this goes um they might just go straight to the playoffs you know um especially if this if this extends out to july and august because they're gonna need time to start the next season right so um, we'll we'll see how that goes oh absolutely and you know what what's another one of your favorite moments from the Lakers that you've had in your uh, life so far. Sure. So um, we're all like rewatching old games, right? I mean, that's just all that we're doing. And I got into this rabbit hole and I started watching the 2009, um, the finals games. And I didn't remember how many like shots that Kobe hit that were, I felt were tough shots. You know what I mean? Like it, like, cause you watch basketball today and it's this like, you know, it's this math game of, you know, open threes, layups, you know what I mean? And it's just this like straightforward pick and roll, open three, dunk, layup. You watch that 2009, like game one, Kobe scored, I think like 40 or something like that. And, uh, do you remember who Michael Pietris is from the Magic? Of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he was the defender. And people forget, Petrus was a really good defender. Like, he was one of the... Really good was, player in general. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think you could have played better defense. Like, there was nothing else he could have done. And Kobe's hitting, like... And this is in a finals game. He's coming off screens and, like, pulling up. Petrus is right in his face, and he's just drilling these mid-range jumpers after mid-range jumper after mid... And he's taking shots where I'm like, oh, that's really good defense. Like, they forced him into, like, a tough shot. It's like a, like the doubles coming from the left side. So he spins to the right, fade away, swish. I'm like, in today's game, you're like, oh, that you're going to force that kind of shot. But he did it like over and over. And I, I forgot how just insane he was in that finals. Um, and it, it's sad, obviously, to watch now because what happened, but I, I just didn't remember how insane those, insane he was in those finals games. It's, it's, it's fun to look back and um, we were blessed to, I feel blessed to even have watched that live, you know, and be able to just catch that. Um, it, that's one of my favorite moments is when just watching him in that 2009 
uh, playoffs and finals and him just torching people and to get that first title without Shaq, obviously. Um, uh, yeah, he was, he was insane. And it's the first title that we really remember, like properly, you know, like right. we were alive for different titles and different championship wins. But like you yeah. said, it's probably the first one that both of us remember vividly. And we, were, yeah. we can remember plays and we can rewatch it and be like, yeah, we've already watched this and lived through <laughs> it and enjoyed it. You know, right. it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful moment to have. And um, another thing with Kobe is, how good would he have been with analytics? Like opening up the floor like this. Like, oh, man. I don't know. Did you see that the floor was so cramped? Like there was no spacing involved at all in the, I didn't, oh. I, don't, I don't understand watching it now. Like the spacing <laughs> that we have now compared to yeah. what it was like just 10 years ago was just crazy. <laughs> yeah. So he would like run a pick for, with Pau Gasol and Pau would space to the, long too, you know, like to a, like, <laughs> to like the, like he's faced to like a mid-range jumper and I'm like, man, that would be a three and there's no way you would be able to guard Kobe. You can't switch in the finals. They would like have, cause Stan Van Gundy was kind of ahead of his time. Right. So he was kind of already in this, like four. they would start Howard, Turgaloo, Richard Lewis and just all switch. And so like in that finals, Kobe would just torch Dwight. Like it was, who was the, I think he was the best player in the league at that time, right? In 2009. I think Dwight Howard was yeah. at his, at the peak of his Kobe. power. Yeah. It was Dwight and so, Kobe then. LeBron yeah. was there, obviously, but right. it was them too. Yeah. And Dwight was at the peak of his powers and Kobe's like, you're going to switch on me. And like, so like he would just Over. scream <laughs> and Dwight would like have a hand right in his face and. Like, it looks like he's going to block the shot, but he's like a millisecond late and it's swish, swish, swish. And he's just doing this over and over again. And I'm like, imagine if Powell or Bynum could like space to the three. What would you do? You like, there's, there's nothing you can guard him with. And, and I think the, that's what's modern NBA. Yeah. In the modern NBA, we'd have Powell at the five and Lamar at the four. That, that's, that's what the right. lineup would be. And we had right. it at times as well, but like, a lot of the times, so Lamar was playing the free when he was a much more nat, especially in this today's NBA, a much right. more natural power. He, he's basically a point forward. He, he was one of the first ones to bring in this whole point forward, quote unquote, a guy who could handle right. the ball. And and I think yeah. it's lost how good Lamar Odom was as well. <laughs> oh yeah, people forget that guy was just a monster when he was on. Um, he was probably one of the most frustrating players too, right? Cause he'd have like 30 and 10 and then the next night he'd have like five and three and you're like, what in the hell is happening? Like, I just saw you dominate <laughs> in a way that obliterate uh, someone. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of like in that he's better player than this guy, but it was kind of like the Jeff green kind of thing, you know, where you watch him and you're like, that guy should average 25 and 15 every night. Um, that was the same with Lamar. Uh, but, um, yeah, Lamar gets lost in the, in the conversations for sure. Oh, and it's just, a, it's a really fun conversation to actually have talking about that 2009-2010 team. Because mm-hmm. like, like you said, I feel like that's one of the, that team got sort of lost because it was just before the Heatles. Right. Um, just obviously before the Golden State dynasty that we've had. Um, but I, 
I don't know. I don't know what you think about that team. I'd put that team up just as good as any team in the past 15 years or so. I really do. I feel like the coaching, the the superstar that was leading the team, the supporting cast, maybe wouldn't mm-hmm. space up well against, you know, playing against this modern NBA way because it wasn't mm-hmm. built for the modern NBA. But if you just look at personnel and stuff like that, I feel like that team from 2008 to 2010, 11, I feel like it was perfect. Like, I really do. For that age, it was amazing to watch. That team was the most dominant Laker team that I've seen, the 2008-2009, the one that was right after they beat. They lost to the Celtics, right? They lost to the Celtics, and then they came back the following year. That team won 65 games and just obliterated through the league. Like, And they had, like, the chemistry plus Kobe and Powell had, like, a whole training camp together, you know, and they had Lamar coming off the bench. Um, and then the bench players, Farmar, Shannon Brown, Vujicic, uh, that team was just a perfectly built squad. Do you remember, um, the road trip they went on that year? The Grammy trip where they, where they yeah. beat, where they beat Boston and then Cleveland in a row? Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> it was just there, like, I know, I know Boston was, like, uh, um, very hurt that year. So that's the excuse mm-hmm. they have, you know, because Boston always needs an excuse. Um, <laughs> as, as does everyone else in the NBA. But when the Lakers have excuses, it's not allowed, apparently, you know. Um, but yeah, like, it was, there's a lot of similarities between that 2008, 2009 team mm-hmm. and this team that we have today. Like, yeah. just looking at the wins they've had, they had the Grammy road trip wins. We had, in this current age, we had the Bucks and the Clippers wins. Yeah. Like, Very the, similar. The, 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 the similarities are pretty startling. Like you said, the Powell Kobe similarity to the AD LeBron thing, again, very similar, you know, even the positions they played. One was a wing, one was a big, you know, and, and you look yeah. at the supporting cast around him, you know, I'd argue that the supporting cast around Kobe and Powell was better, at least uh-huh. more consistent. Like you, you knew what you were going to get out of Derek Fisher. Uh, but then again, like Avery Bradley has been really, really good. <laughs> like <laughs> he had that period where he was recovering from a broken leg. Like I think like, that gets lost as well. Like, right. But honestly, um, that 2019, like you said, and then the finals that ensued and all that, uh, Right. It was dominant. Like it was so much fun to watch. Yeah. So, so remember, like, because I think you said um, that team isn't built for the modern era, right? Um, but I, I would kind of uh, argue on that, like, in the playoffs, it it, yeah, like in the playoffs, it's can you defend the rim, right? And can you like get out to the shooters, of course, but it's mainly can you defend the rim and you. And like that team with Bynum and Powell at the rim and then Lamar, they were, they were insane defensively. And then they had, um, I think that was the rear with, uh, Ariza, I believe was the, was our wing defender at the time. And then we had Fisher, uh, obviously Kobe. Um, I remember that team would just shut people down, especially in second halves when they decided to. And I was watching like the game seven of like the, the Cavs Warriors, right? Where, Mm-hmm. That's when like the switch kind of happened to like this three point era. The f- the final uh like three minutes of that game before Kyrie hit the shot, 
the score was 89-89. <laughs> like, like that's just how the playoffs worked. You know, it's a low scoring. It's like this, can you hit tough shots? Can you like execute when the defense is just like in your grill? Um, I would have loved to seen this team that kind of like Kobe's kind of stylish, you know, like Kobe's style of like, I'm just going to back you down and fade away over you every damn time. And you're going to feel my elbow. Yeah. And not just that, like you're going to feel my elbow in your chest. Right. And like, (laughs) like, let's see how that feels 50 times. Let me see you try to like, you know, and you're going to feel us like, that's just how it's going to work. Yeah. Bynum's gonna like back you. Bynum's gonna like come try to box you out every single time. And I felt like this team was kind of similar, you know? You had like Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis just beating you up on the boards all night. Um, and that would wear teams down. And I, and it just feels so eerily, like you said, like these two teams felt so connected. Um, obviously that was like the peak of the Lakers last few years, but it's just, it's just funny when you look at like the similarities of these of those two teams. And it's a lot of fun to look back at as well. I don't know, like, it, yeah, I, I, it's you know, it is so much fun to like think about, you know, like what could have been, and you know, especially with now, and um, you know, obviously everything that happened with Kobe and whatnot. And mm-hmm. It it's sort of like, I feel like that's why this season needs to have a conclusion. I feel like the whole world's having their like Mamba moment moment for their Mamba mentality where it's like everyone's down. You can't really see a path out of this, but like it'll get better as long as you grind, as long as you do the things you need to do, it'll get better. I know it's very hard to see that now, but like, you know, and this whole year has been crazy from like January onwards. Like, can you believe it's been two months since Kobe Bryant died? Like, I don't know where the time's gone, mate. Right. Um, you know, it, and for Laker fans in particular, it is pretty difficult to, you know, like, even still, it's still, you know, I, I find it a lot easier to watch games now and like reminisce about Cup, but still, like, you find it difficult at times to, you know, go bad. But like, man, we're so lucky as Laker fans. I think that gets lost. We, we, we really are. Like, even to LeBron saying that he's a Laker for life now, like, he's a Laker, like, it's over. Yeah. My, my brother supports the Heat, so obviously, naturally, as soon as LeBron said that, I rubbed it in his face, you know. Yeah. Like, he doesn't talk about any other franchise, like, it's just the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> right, and um do you remember when LeBron signed the Lakers? Oh, uh, man, what a day. What so- a day. <laughs> Did you, like, at the time, I don't know if you remember, did you believe the reports that he was coming? Like, obviously, um, Pete got some Not jokes. Until about Clutch, I remember the entertainment sources that Pete said. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But did you believe it at the time? Because I really didn't. Like, I did not think he was coming here. I did not think he was leaving was a, Cleveland I've, after a finals I thought appearance. there was a chance. Okay. I thought there was a chance, but I thought I ultimately... I didn't believe Houston and Philadelphia ever. I don't know why. No okay. entered my my realm of possibility. But I thought there was a chance. And um but like like you, I thought eventually he'd just decide to go on a one and one again and then so, re enter yeah. free agency would have been this summer. Right. Um and stayed in Cleveland. But when that clutch press release hit, oh my god. 
exactly. And um, it's funny because I'm watching like, you know, 2018 finals highlights, right, of him just almost winning that game one by himself. Obviously, the J.R. Smith blunder is the most famous part of that um, that whole game. But uh, LeBron had 51 and just looked like on a on a floor with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, he looked like on a level above that, you know, like during the game. You could be like, holy crap. That guy somehow became a Laker that, that summer, you know, which is just, <laughs> it's just, just, I'm like, what the hell like that that is just crazy to think about um and he just signed here we didn't have to do anything there's no trade or and i really didn't see it coming i couldn't believe it um that was the same jump summer obviously that paul george didn't even give us a meeting right that was the same summer so we were we were kind of down i was kind of down from that because they did that little so pissed off about that the little party and with the little espn with the ESPN documentary oh, yeah. as well. Do you remember that? that? Oh, my oh. God. The no regrets, all the, if I can curse, all the bullshit that that he said in that little Oklahoma City party um, that they had with Westbrook, which blew up the next And then decides summer. to leave after 12 months. Yeah. I'm shocked that that didn't work out. But, um, uh, yeah, and I, I really didn't think he was coming and – uh, he signed, and then obviously the Kawhi stuff started right after that. I don't know if you remember Kawhi. Uh, yeah, Kawhi, Kawhi requested a trade. Exactly, he requested a trade pretty much pretty soon after it, and obviously they had negotiations. Um, but that was just that I believe flipped, right? Because we were in this build mode and um, all of that stuff, and then that kind of ended once that clutch release happened. Like you yeah, can feel like, it switch. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that was just, you felt like, okay, we're back, you know, like we might not win a title that year, but we are back. Like this is legitimate. We got the best player in the game on our team. Now, whatever happens after that happens, but this is step one. And I think that's a huge moment in Lakers history. You know, there's not that many faces of the Lakers. Um, Kobe was the face for like 18 years or something. So, you know, yeah. So to flip it to you got the next phase, right? Obviously, Ingram, I really liked Ingram. I loved D'Angelo when he was here and Lonzo Ball. I never thought they were the face of the Lakers. I thought they were just really good players. I thought they were always going to be like really good players who were yeah. secondary to a face. Exactly. Or building to that player. Exactly. I thought Ingram was an all-star when he was here. Like I thought he that's his ceiling. Oh, I, yeah. I just I never saw him as like the guy who's going to be a finals MVP, you know? or anything like no, that and then when you get that, group, yeah. yeah so i think that was a big moment to look back on you know that moment of just wow this happened uh, i think that was an important moment these last few years oh, and you know when players are just like destined to be part of a certain franchise right i don't know why there was never any more lebron to the lakers speculation because you had speculation about every player in the NBA going to the Lakers at some point. But you never really heard it with LeBron until that, like, last couple of months before he signed. Like, there was never really, like, any... I mean, it was obviously due to the cap situations and, like, the Lakers always being capped out when he was a free agent and whatnot. So there wasn't really any opportunity. And then the one time we might have had cap space in 2014, we weren't good enough for him, you know, like, realistically, for what he wanted to do. 
and he wanted to go back to Cleveland at that point and win a title there. But like now, 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 when you look back at it, like the way he plays, the emotion, the, you know, he's 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 a perfect face for the Lakers, and just how big he is, like the Lakers have always had a big face that carries them, and. LeBron's that perfect guy that, to take the mantle from what Kobe did and then right. from before Kobe you had magic because even though Shaq wasn't, don't get me wrong, I love Shaq to death. Shaq's the most dominant player like ever in the NBA potentially, like just ridiculous. But at the same time, he wasn't the face. Right. Kobe was the face. Right. But like we can argue that Shaq was the better player, but it was Kobe. Kobe was the marketable one. He was the one who... The Lakers were pushing because he was the one that they drafted. He was there. Jerry West, you know, Jerry West called him his son and, you know, he, and, and that's how basically the whole of Los Angeles treated him. They ever treated him as like a big brother or a son type, you know, okay. because we saw him since he was 17, 18. So having LeBron fill that void, I feel like was perfect, you know. Right. And I think, um, you said, uh, why no one talked about LeBron coming to the Lakers. I think it's because they weren't good, right? Like they just, they didn't have a good team. They won, I think, 35 games the season before he came. Obviously, there were injuries. Lonzo Ball was out, um, the full, almost a full year, um, uh, all of this stuff, but they just weren't good. Um, I think that's why I didn't see him coming. I thought maybe the following year we'd be a player in free agency because, um, maybe we'll have, you know, another year under our belt of Ingram or whoever, um, just to see him come, uh, but, to see him come here is just uh, amazing. And he, he, the Lakers are like the one brand that might be bigger than his, you know, I think it's close, but I think they are the only team who have a brand that can stand up to his brand. Right. That can at least rival LeBron's it, brand. It, yeah. Exactly. Precisely. If he goes to Philly, LeBron's bigger than Philly. Right. Like he just he's is bigger than Houston. He's bigger than Houston. Exactly. Bigger than the Clippers. You know, he's bigger than Cleveland. Right. He leaves. He's bigger than Denver, like exactly. LeBron know, leaves like, Cleveland. No speculation about right. So when LeBron leaves Cleveland, he takes billions of dollars with him, right? Like it's not just LeBron walking out that door; it's billions of dollars walk out that door. He is bigger than that city. Um, he runs that. If he's on a franchise like that, um, he runs it. I think he was. I think he was bigger than he wasn't bigger than Miami to start. You know when that. When that started, I think he got bigger. He did. He got too big, and obviously Pat Riley is a character on himself. He's a prideful man himself, and uh, I love Pat. Yeah, so <laughs> he wasn't gonna have LeBron running things, and they obviously you saw how the Dwayne Wade stuffs, you know, also turned out right. Um, Dwayne Wade is probably no. I think I think that's where Dwayne Wade made a mistake. I don't think Dwayne Wade ever became bigger. I think he was Miami, but I don't think he ever became bigger than the franchise itself. But Dwayne, because he was around LeBron, mm-hmm. thought he was at that level, which no disrespect to Dwayne Wade, because like we talked about, Dwayne Wade is, in my opinion, the third best shooting guard to ever play the game of basketball. Right. After Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Right. It's not like I'm saying Dwayne Wade's like, you know, he's not. Dwayne Wade's a top 20 player of all time, in my opinion. That's how good Dwayne Wade is. Right. But I don't think he ever superseded Miami. Mm-hmm. He was never the face of the NBA like LeBron was, like Kobe right. was to an extent. But even still, even with these people being the faces of the NBA, they're not bigger than the Lakers, though. Right. But Dwayne Wade is Miami, though, right? Like, that's where I think they went wrong. Yeah. I think you, um, 
you take care of him. You don't go pay Tyler Johnson <laughs> so you can't pay Dwayne Wade. You know, like that's just the kind of decision. No, I agree with I you. Don't, no, I agree with like, you on I, that. Like I understand if you found another star, but they didn't, right? They went and paid Kelly Olynyk and Tyler Johnson and told Dwayne Wade take ten take ten million dollars. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh it doesn't really make any sense. Crazy. So he went obviously. No, no, I agree yeah, with you on so, that. Um, that's where you kind of see LeBron got a little bit bigger than Miami. Here he's he can tell like we're on a similar level. It's just why like even when I think you know when Polinka talks about it's a mutual partnership, I think that's what that's kind of into it as well, right? Um, this is a mutual thing. This is these are two friend two two businesses that can be like I have this behind me and you have that behind me. Let's put that together and see what can happen and. Uh, uh, I think that's what's going on right now. And I think it's become a beautiful partnership. Um, we obviously talked a lot about Polinka over the summer, but I think he, he understands both as an agent and being now in the GM role that this is a team thing. So I, I think, I think it's been great LeBron being here. Well, let's touch on Palenka because, you know, obviously this is a very important right. podcast that we're doing. It's not like we have, it's not like <laughs> we have like a, a set like news panel to discuss or whatever, right. what have you. But, um, with Palenka, first of all, I'm going to say mm-hmm. I was wrong. I thought he'd be really mm-hmm. bad. Uh, I thought he'd be really bad. Um, I, I think they've done a masterful job, to be honest with you. I think they've played the, um, and played the market very well. Um, I know they gave up a lot for AD, but at the end of the day, looking at how good we yeah. are now, um, I feel like it was more than enough. You know, I think there's more than enough justification for making that right. trade now. And I'd make that trade 10 out of 10. If I know the situation again, you know, I make it a hundred times out of a hundred. I don't even think mm-hmm. about it. Um, but like Palinka, what he's done is he's galvanized people really well. What it seems like in the organization, everyone's on the same page mm-hmm. now. Um, because that's, that's the thing when, when, when Magic was there, I don't know what you feel about him, but when Magic was there, especially from the outside looking in, because that's mm-hmm. what we are doing, it didn't seem like everyone was on the same page. It seemed like there was like everyone was on the same page until Ma- Magic decided to make a out of the blue decision. Right. And Magic's not around all day. And Magic doesn't do anything in the franchise daily. He turns up, you know, once a week, once a month, what it was, you know, what have you. And again, that's not Magic's fault because he should have been held accountable. That's my opinion on it. Um, But at the same time, I feel like what Palinka's done is he's created this atmosphere that, you know, the team first, everything's about the team, the people you play with are the most important people. Like realistically in the NBA, we never see this type of buying from people on Mm one-year deals. Never. And we got these people like, everyone's treating it like it's a brotherhood. You know, like, it's like something that's never going to break now, which is crazy. Because like I said, I've never seen anything like this in the NBA. So massive credit to him. Right. And I mean, it's kind of funny looking back and, um, I tell people all the time that trade that pisses me off the most is the Zubak, Zubak one. Um, just looking at, they have their starting. They have their, they have their starting center because we decided to trade him for Mike Muscala. I mean, which was just dumb in the moment. It looks dumb now, but, and like, I think you're right. Everyone looks to be on the same page now. Um, 
I think Polinka understands that he has a full-time job, right? I think Magic saw this as a, like a part-time kind of come in, come out. Um, I can kind of just figure things out on the go. And that's just not how it worked here. There are people who dedicate 23 of 24 hours a day to the job that Magic had. And he just wasn't doing that. And um, you could tell by the things he goes on first take, right? And he tries to just cover his image up. And look, you, Magic's a legend. He will be a Laker for life. He, he did what he could here. He, he, I believe he was a big part of bringing LeBron here in some way of some, in some way. But, um, I think that everyone looks to be on the same page now. And you can kind of tell with the moves that are done and how quiet, how things don't come out anymore. Things don't leak. Um, and, I think you have to credit Palinka, um, you have to clean, credit Rambis, you have to credit, um, all the people in that front office who figured this out. I mean, it's, you could talk about the Kawhi situation, but I think everyone does that 10 out of 10 times, right? You wait for Kawhi Leonard. That's just how the world works. <laughs> and they put together. Especially if exactly. Was, you know, like. I feel like he was giving indications that he was definitely considering joining the Lakers. It wasn't like he was flat out saying no mm-hmm. and they were waiting. From all intents and purposes, from what was been reported publicly, you know, and, and then we hear back channeling from time to time from people right. that we know, you know, like I feel like Kawhi was definitely a viable option at a point. And I feel like if the Clippers don't make that move for Paul George, which I still think is a stupid move, don't get me wrong. Um, I think he's a Laker. I, I really do. Right, right. Um, definitely. If you, but here's a hypothetical. I know we're a Lakers <laughs> podcast. Do you think the Clippers will be better with Paul George or having both Gilgis Alexander and Gallinari? So this is a fascinating question because I don't think you get Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you keep Shay and uh Gallinari. Like I just don't think Kawhi comes, but I still think Paul George, as much as I hate him, he's the superstar here. Uh I think they are be- with a healthy Paul George, obviously. He's missed a lot of time and he hasn't been the same. Um I think Shea is really good. I don't think he's ready to do what they need him to do in a playoff setting. Um Gallinari I think is a really good player as well. Um but again you I think if you have those two, you trade them for the star. Now, I think the interesting part here is would you add five first round picks to that? You know what I mean? I think that's, I think that's no. where it gets, um, it gets funny. Uh, you know, people kill the Lakers for the AD trade. I mean, go look at what obviously they, again, they traded for both Paul George and Kawhi, not technically, but, um, that's how it was sold. Yeah, that's okay. how Wolves, that's how Wolves sold it. That's how I'm kind of seeing it happen. But uh, if you look at just the transaction, it was Paul George for around five first round picks, pick swaps, Shea and Gallinari, which is a lot for Paul George, who's a free agent next year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so it's, that is Kawhi, cool. right? And those two have kind of shown, you know what I mean? Um, if you look at history, it tends to repeat itself, right? Those two have shown if they don't like a situation, they will leave. They have no heart with, not saying they don't have heart, but they have no, like, conscious on how they leave a franchise, right? 
they do not care. Paul George asked for a trade with four years left on his deal. So Oklahoma City, that there is no care at all with, and you can, and Oklahoma City can say whatever they want. No team wants to start rebuilding. Now this worked out, right? They got Chris Paul, but they were supposed to be in a rebuild mode, um, once Paul George got traded and they traded Westbrook, but Chris Paul is never going to stop being good. It looks like so, but, uh, that's where it's kind of gets interesting with, um, with the five first round picks for two guys who have shown that if you do not keep your end of winning, we will walk to wherever we want. Yeah. Like it, just a hypothetical that that's yeah. all real. If the Lakers win this year and next year, I could easily see Kawhi Leonard and Paul right. George. <laughs> right. I mean, I think Kawhi wants to be in LA. Um, I feel like that's something he's been trying to do for a while now. I'm not saying he lied about the, you know, injury in San Antonio and being mad with the doctors and stuff, but I think it came pretty clear that he wanted to leave. That's a whole nother <laughs> conversation, but, uh, I still think it would take a lot for them to leave, but I don't think it's out of the question. Like you said, it's, uh, very possible that they, huh? Exactly. And let's say Pat Riley calls and like, Hey, um, would you like to come play with Jimmy Butler? You can pick one of those two. He calls, maybe he calls both of them. Maybe he figures out to get all three of them in Miami. I I don't put it past Pat Riley to do anything, but (laughs) I, I feel like if that phone call comes, they'll both think about it. Even though Steve Ballmer just bought the forum for $400 million, um, to build a new arena. Cash, Josh. yes, to build a billion dollar arena. I don't think Kawhi and Paul George care. No, I don't think they do either. I think it's very interesting because basically the future of the Clippers is reliant upon Kawhi and Paul George winning in the next two years, in my right. opinion. Um, even if they don't leave next summer, I feel like the window for them winning is the next right. couple of years. Because they have some really good contracts, you know, with the Harold deal and Harold's a free agent this summer. And, you know, I feel like they're windows now. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think they'll ever have an opportunity to win as they do right now. Right. So if they don't win this year, that window just starts to close for me anyway. Yeah, um, for sure. Harold's going to probably ask for a max this summer, right? I think he's a free agent. Um Lou Williams is making, I think, $7 million, which is criminal for, for what he does on that team. Um, so I, I think they're going to, it's going to be, they're going to have some tough decisions to make, um, going forward. But, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cause they won't get Reggie Jackson on the buyout market every year. They won't get, you know, Marcus Morris in a deal where they don't, well, they don't send anything, basically. I know they sold, sent Harkless, but like it wasn't anywhere close to what they were asking for the Lake from the Lakers, was it? Like you know, if you just compare, right. like you know, I don't think I think the the, the game of circumstance that the Clippers mm-hmm. have been in, you know, um, I feel like this is the perfect time for them to win. And you know, I don't put it past them. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm confident about the Lakers' chances, but again, like just ruling out the Clippers would be completely foolish. You, right. you, you know what I mean? Like. I don't like it should be put past them at all. They're, they're fantastic. They really are, right. especially defensively. I know we made them look really weak that last game, 
that we played, but I think they're really, oh, they're, really good. They're great. When, they're, when that team is clicking, they're really tough to beat. Um, they they just have a they have like thirteen really good players, you know. And um, I still think Stars win in the playoffs, right? I think um, who has the most stars is who's gonna win, but they have a complete roster, and um, that's that's tough to beat. No, I agree. So wrap things up. What is your favorite memory of the Lakers? That so, so I've, I've said this on a couple podcasts. Um, obviously, people remember the 2010 Game Seven, right? Um, that's that's probably ingrained in everyone's head. But like, there's a play in that game that just uh, that always sticks out with me. Um, obviously, Kobe was what six for tw- uh, six for twenty four, right? In the game and I mean, horrible game, but there was like yeah. this play. It was 66, 64, I believe. And there were like four minutes left in the game, obviously a ton of time, but like, and he's been struggling, but he hits this like one dribble pull up that just puts the Lakers up four. And I just knew the game was over. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he At hits this pull up jumper at 68, 64. Timeout Boston, and I just knew we won. Like, I just, I could feel it. Like, I knew, like, watching that team all year, they were not going to blow this four-point lead. Because if you remember, remember how hard it was to score in that game? This is 68-64 with, like, four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Four minutes left in the fourth quarter. It is very hard to score in this game. And they have, like, what? Boston has Ray Allen, the best shooter maybe ever. And um, they have, you know, KG. Kevin Garnett, one of the most skilled bigs ever. And still, they cannot score. The Lakers can't score. This is like a defensive juggernaut battle. And Kobe hits this pull-up, and I'm like, that's it. It's over. It's We won. It's, <laughs> I, I felt pretty confident in that because um, I knew Kobe would do whatever he could to, to win. And that, that's my favorite moment ever. Um, how about you? That, that so it's, it's a joint moment. Right. So that. And then the the the, the free that oh, yeah. Meta World Peace now <laughs> makes um, when he passes the ball, and you can sort of tell like watching the game, everyone's looking at him when he does, take that oh, jump yeah. step, and they're like, <laughs> "What are you doing, Ron? Don't do that free! Don't do it, Ron!" And then he makes it, everyone's like, "Yeah, we've won now!" <laughs> oh man, I I was like, "No, no, 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 yes," <laughs> but uh. <laughs> But you feel like the whole table front was thinking the same thing. No, Ron, no, no. It's funny. No, you can yes. like hear the crowd, right? So obviously this is in Staples and everyone's just like, ah, like, no. And then it goes in and just this huge, like, sigh of relief comes across the whole arena, which is just, uh, really cool to see. That's another guy who who I I'm so glad played for the Lakers. Yeah. Metal World Peace, Matt yeah. season on. What he, I'm sure you follow yeah. him on Twitter as well. I just love what I, I just he's such a he seemed like such a positive person. Who you know what he embraced all his bad things that he did in the past, and he's moved on from it, and he's become better for it as well. And I can only credit the guy. Yeah, I mean him. he's he's kind of like the he became like the first poster child for like mental health right issues in the NBA. Um, which yeah, very open exactly. About it. exactly. He thanked his therapist <laughs> during the uh, press conference, and that kind of blew up. But he was like the first one, right? And now you see 
Kevin Love, Jamar DeRozan, guys like that, um, stepping up to the plate now, but I feel like he was the first one and he kind of, uh, was like, yeah, I'm this asshole dude, but you know what? I'm working on it and that's okay. And I think he was the first one to kind of say that instead of trying to be this macho guy, you know, who was like, no, 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 I'm, I was right. And, um, I think it's, it's cool to see he's become, he changed his name to like Panda's friend, right? And all kinds of, <laughs> all kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's such a long yeah. I think his heart is in the right place, which I think is what matters. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, he's, he's one of the like most interesting guys. Um, cause I think like when you look back at Meta, I think he had like two good years, right? With the Lakers pretty much like the rest. Like, I don't think he was that good in the Dwight year. Um, and then after that, he just really. He was average. Right. He was average in that year. He wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. But because he had two really good years, people just sort of like right. skip over. And it. then he was really bad in those like end of the, you know, like those lottery years with Julius Randle. Um, he was just way over the cliff as a player. He was not an NBA player anymore. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll remember him for those those two years. Having a guy like that on defense uh, was really fun, and he, he he played hard every night, which was really cool. Um, yeah, I miss. And I don't know what you what his reaction to when we won the oh, title so in twenty ten is how I feel I would have reacted if I was on the Lakers <laughs> yeah. as a fan. So seeing someone with that unbridled joy. <laughs> and passion and just be like, oh my God, we just won an NBA title. Just games. You beat the Celtics. You have that iconic Kobe moment. He had Kobe's rebounding. That game was crazy. You had Meta going crazy. Power, I think, was really good as well, that game, which gets lost a lot. Um, I feel like it was the perfect game for a Lakers. Do you remember the Fisher three? I think they were down three and then... Fisher hit the, oh, yeah. and then he, he hit the three over Rondo. Like Rondo was right in his face, and he just drills this like straight away three and tied it. <laughs> I was like, even Rondo walking at him, like, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that game was so fun. I, I think I lost like five years of my life watching that game. That was so stressful. Of uh, especially the first like the first two and a half quarters. I think we were down thirteen. Like in the in the third quarter, yeah, um, halfway through, and I was just dying, um, <laughs> watching like Rondo and oh yeah, watching like Rondo and KG just like basically punk us that the first while, and we couldn't hit a thing. Kobe was cold, and it was just I did not want to go into the summer that way. That would have been an awful summer <laughs> if that happened. Oh, but. We did, and we won. We have that forever now. <laughs> so, let's wrap it up, Raj. I, I just want to say a big thank you for coming on the pod, man. It's been so so enjoyable recording this, you know, in these difficult times, you know, reminiscing like this. I feel like it not only helps us, I feel like it will help the listeners as well. And uh, thank you for having me. Um, I hope, you know, everyone listens and help you uh, stay safe, stay inside, <laughs> wash your hands, you know, and um, just be mindful of where where we are right now. Um, hopefully basketball comes back soon. Obviously, that's not the main importance for a lot of people right now. But, um, yeah, hopefully this can take 
some people's minds off it for a little while. And it was definitely therapeutic for me. So, um, thank you. <laughs> no, no problem. And just let the people know where they can find you on Twitter. I'm sure they already know, but let them know again. Sure, let them know um, again. Unwritten rules on Twitter. Um, the last E is with a three. Um, you can follow Lakers Outsiders, we write, and then uh, me, Rick, and Ali have a podcast called The Forum, which um, we might have to change our name now, but <laughs> we have the, the Forum podcast uh, you can check out. Uh, the Forum will always be a Laker thing. You yeah. can't take it away. <laughs> Too much history there. <laughs> Too much. You know, like when you have... When you have a building that Magic, Kareem, Worthy, Shaq, and Kobe played in as Lakers, sorry, and Jerry West, and Elgin Baylor, and Will, do I need to go on? <laughs> right, that, that's ours. They can't cover up the history. No, they can't. They, can, you know, they can they can gentrify Inglewood all they want. Los Angeles will always be a Laker town. <laughs> no. Thank you so much for coming on, Raj. Thank you guys for listening. I hope this has been a, a great experience for you guys to reminisce with us about, you know, all this amazing history that we've had the past 12, 13 years or so. Um, follow me at, Al, at Alan zero three. Um, we are a Stitcher premium affiliate. So if you use the code Lakerside, you will get one free month of using Stitcher premium. I use it myself. I highly recommend it if you are super into your podcast. It's well worth the admission, you know, and and every time you use the code, you, you do help the podcast. So I can only thank you for that. Thank you for listening. Be sure to leave us a rating on Apple podcast. Take care. Bye. I can only thank you for that. Thank you for listening. Be sure to leave us a rating on Apple.